What's up, everyone? It's your host, Thomas Kopelman, and this is The Long Game Podcast, a podcast about turning passions into purpose. In each episode, you'll hear highly motivated individuals share their stories of pursuing their passions, taking control of their destiny, and ultimately living their purpose, leaving you inspired to follow their lead. Thomas Kopelman is a financial advisor at RLS Wealth. All opinions expressed by Thomas and his podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of RLS Wealth. This podcast is for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes. It should not be considered advice. Consult your financial advisor, tax, legal, and any other advisors you have before making any decisions regarding your financial plan. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the Long Game Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Derek Grant. Um, Derek, thanks for joining me, man. I really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me on. Of course. So to give a quick intro, Derek is a former professional athlete, public speaker, transformational mindset coach, and author. His passion and purpose is to help people in life. Derek was fortunate enough to travel to 70 countries playing eight years for the world famous Harlem Globetrotters and serves as the CEO of Results Leadership Development, a transformational life coaching firm. Derek's gift is his ability to change lives from the inside out. From working with world-class athletes and through his own life, Derek has found the only thing that separates the good from the great is their mindset. Um, And here's a really great quote uh, from him as well as, we all have the potential, but few know how to tap into their full potential of an I can do anything mindset. I'm on a mission for the rest of my life here on earth to teach young people how to live out their lives with a smile on their face without having to try and please the world diving inward through meditation, mindfulness, and self-reflection so they can see who they are, but more importantly, who they are not. And just kind of to add on to this a little bit, the reason why I asked Derek to be a part of this is he knows Justin pretty well. I heard him in this community I'm a part of. And if everybody that listens knows, the goal of this podcast is really just to help millennials find happiness in life, look at the avenues. And what Derek really talks about is a lot of this is inward. Like we can search for things. We can search for the right job, the right significant other, the right, you know, X, Y, and Z. But a lot of living this life is just the mindset that you have being grateful, like believing in yourself. And so I just felt that he would be a perfect person to come speak. So we're still going to talk about his journey and dive into that, but we're really going to get into some of the things that he teaches as well. And for all the other basketball junkies here, he is the trainer of Kyle Guy, who everybody from Indiana should know. And, um, honestly, I I loved watching Kyle guy. I mean, him at Virginia was awesome. Like when I played back in the day, I considered myself a lame man's Kyle guy, but, um, we all wish we could be Kyle guy, right? I wish I could be Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. So let's just, let's just start on your journey. So we, we talk about Harlem Globetrotters, but like, let's go back to, you know, where you're from, you know, where you went to college, played basketball, and let's then kind of get into the the business that you have. Yeah. So I was born in Virginia. Uh, My parents, my father worked for Kraft Foods and he was constantly taking promotions, constantly, we were constantly moving. So we moved like basically every three years. Um, I was born in Virginia, moved to Maryland, went to Pennsylvania, went to upstate New York, down to Louisiana, and finally settled in New Jersey going into my junior year of high school. Um, so I tell people that's where I'm from because that's where I spent the longest. But yeah. uh, this was kind of through this all this moving, I found out that like I had a trait inside of me. I don't know if it was developed, but being able to it was almost a survival mechanism because, you know, when you're when you're in school, friends are everything. And I had to figure out a way to make friends. Well, in order to make friends, I would have to observe. 
So I'd kind of be the person who was quiet, just watching. I would watch people's behavior. Now that I look back on it, this is what's serving me today. But it was because of going through all these moves, I had to pick and choose to see who's, who'd look like who'd be a good friend, who, who wouldn't. But I say that because unbeknownst to me at the time, it seemed like the worst thing every time my parents would tell us we were moving, me and my brother. But this is what life does sometimes. Things that seem like they're bad at the moment are really just preparing you and testing you so that you're developed later down the road. And now, because of all those moves, I'm able to, you know, help people and, and assess the situation quicker than probably somebody who had not had to do that for their own survival of making friends back when they're seven, eight, nine years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you talk about basketball. I ended up, my parents took me and my brother to go see the Harlem Globetrotters when I was seven years old. Um, we all, my, my mom, they grew up, both of them grew up in rural South Carolina. So they always, they always wanted to be able to do things with their kids that they wish they had been able to do. Yeah. And one of them was going to go see the Harlow Globetrotters. And uh, me and my brother went. I, I, had, I was a soccer player up until that point. And I remember sitting there watching the Globetrotters. I'm like, this is basketball. <laughs> like, I got to do this. Like, this is the best thing ever. So I ended up, my dad got me a little mini basketball. And that was my introduction to basketball, ironically enough. And played all through high school, you know, middle school, college. I went, I went to school called the College of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, small little division three school. I'm like, you know what, if I could play professionally, I'm going to play professionally. So going into my junior year, I just worked my tail off. And like, I was fortunate enough that I didn't have a close circle around me telling me I couldn't do something. I, and, and probably my youth and being maybe a little shelter, I believed I could do anything. Mm-hmm. And this was it. And I ended up, it ended up being a windy road, like most, most paths in life, but I ended up Signing with the Globetrotters in 2006 and played eight years for him. Traveled to 70 different countries. Got to be on um, Good Morning America and Today's Show. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Which, dang, uh, by the way, I was no, I was not smarter than a fifth grader. <laughs> I know you're wondering, but no. <laughs> but I got to do a lot of cool things because of this game of basketball. And you know, when I got done playing. I realized, like, okay, I got to do something else. I have to. I can't like if I live to be 70, I'm. I got 40 years of figuring out this thing called life. So it started with training, teaching players how to play basketball. And then it shifted into, okay, let me help you with life because ultimately your mindset will determine what you do in life and also what you do uh, in your sport. Yeah. So when you started the the personal tra- or the, was it all just personal training? So any type of athlete, regardless, basketball, football, et cetera, you would work with any athlete or like, how did that business start? How did, how did it go? How did you grow it? Cause I, it, you from know what I've seen, it was great. Like there's, you had a ton of athletes who were training. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny how life works, man. I, I started off with two kids at a park in Fishers, Fishers, Indiana. There were two brothers and their brothers, those two brothers told their friends and their friends told them before you know it, a year and a half later, I got 350 kids. And I, Dang. I realized I'm like, cause, cause when I got done with the glow charts, like, what am I going to do? You know, I come from a family, like there are no entrepreneurs. So I didn't have that mindset. So I thought I didn't, but then I'm like, you know what? I've played basketball my whole life. I have knowledge in it. Why don't I figure out a way to just share this knowledge and monetize it and, you know, make a living out of it. And this is how it, somebody would have told me when I was 15 that I'd be a trainer one day, a basketball. I'd be like, yeah, right. Nobody's going to pay me to teach them how to play basketball. 
and yeah. YouTube going YouTube. But I realized it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the drills I was doing that allowed me to continue to grow. It was the fact that I treated every single human being as if they were my own child. I took my time with them. I encouraged them. I was positive with them. And then through that, I realized the only thing that separated Kyle Guy from somebody else was not his ability to shoot the ball. It was the confidence that he had in himself, which is a mindset, which is perspective. So this is when I started to really realize, I'm like, okay, if I can figure out a way to mix mindset training or mindset coaching with skill development, like I can build like the premier athlete at any level. And this is kind of what I'm doing now. Yeah, I think that you made a few really interesting points there in like the way that you trained them to in the way that you treated them to be, you know, like like kids of yours. Like I think that is the mindset that any entrepreneur or business owner should have of like that is how you treat your clients, like they're your own, like you want the best results for every single one of them because as you said, like your entire client base grew just because you took care of the first couple clients you had and they wanted to share that to the whole world. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and really, you know, as I get older, you, you start to realize, you know, we're all, I don't care, you know, religion, race, gender, you know, political, we're all, we all come from the same thing. We yeah. all, whatever it may be, we all came from the same thing. I've, I've come to realize however I treat people is really how I view myself, right? We call this projecting. So I, so I, if I'm good to me and I love me and I have peace inside, I, I will always only give that to everyone else. And I realized how impatient I was with myself through mm -hmm. working with kids. I realized it's not the kids. It's not that it's me. So it taught me patience within. And I tell people all the time that I work with, if you don't have peace within, you can never give peace to anybody else. You must first have it inside. And then, so I say it to entrepreneurs, anyone who's listening, like taking time to work on you is actually beneficial for your clients because how you treat them is really how you treat yourself. Yeah. I mean, so where did, where does somebody start with that? Like that, I, I, I feel like we all kind of hear those type of things of like, you know, you got to work on yourself. We got to be better by being better. You're better for everybody else. But then like, to be honest, from the experience I have with the people that feel that way and you can tell they need to make changes, they're aware of the changes they need to make. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to like do it. I mean, it's the same thing as building a business. Like it's not something that you do overnight. It's not something that you want to do. And all of a sudden it's there. It's like it's day in, day out, week in, week out. You have to do the work, but where do you start? You know, me personally, it started with me um, going and sitting out in the woods for, you know, a couple hours by myself. And I did that. So there was no distraction. There was nowhere I could run. There's nothing to take my mind off of what I was doing. And I would go out there with a piece of paper, a, a notepad and a pen. And I would talk and ask myself, what are your biggest fears? What are your biggest worries? What are your biggest insecurities? This is, these are all rooted in the ego. These are all hidden in the shadows of the ego. So what I would do is ask these questions to myself. And then let's say, um, uh, I feel as though I, I, I'm worried about making more. I won't make enough money. What if I can't provide for my family? And then I ask why. Well, why are you worried about that? Well, because I don't want my kids to starve. Well, why are you worried about that? Because then I might be viewed as a failure. Why, why are you worried about that? Because I was always worried that my father would view me as a failure. 
okay, so now we're getting to the root of it. It isn't the fact that you're worried about being broke. It's the fact that you're worried of how you'll be viewed by your father. And this is the tough questions that we don't want to ask ourselves. We don't want to keep asking why, 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 why. We'll get to a certain point and then we're st we'll stop. I found from working with people, we all, because I, I mean, I'm, you just call it life coach, performance coach, mindset. I have to hire coaches for me because I can get to a certain point, but then I need somebody who's going to push me past that uncomfortable stage and get into that area where it's like, okay, this is the developmental zone. It hurts. It sucks. You're going to be really uncomfortable, but this is where you make your growth. So really looking yourself in the mirror and asking yourself those tough questions. Why am I insecure? Why do I feel as though I need approval from people? When you can start answering these, now that, that issue that, that's holding you back, it can't exist anymore. Do you feel like that is the biggest problem for most people? Because I mean, reading through your content, a lot of what you talk about is that like, dropping your ego, dropping the feeling of, hey, like I have to accumulate these things or I have to do these things because for most people, it's about how they're viewed among other people. But like, how do you distinguish that then from, you know, what you want for yourself? Like, I, I think that I've known my whole life since I was young, like, like here, I'll, I'll get into like my whole, my whole story of this type of thing. So like I grew up, I always wanted to be good at sports. I went through like a phase where I was like chubby. Like I was like a bigger kid and like in sports, I would get made fun of for being like that. I'd get made fun of for being too fat, do whatever. And so then like, I went to prove it to everybody, including myself. Hey, I, I can do this. Like I can, I can lose the weight. I can be good at sports. I ended up being, you know, three-time All-State in high school, had Division One, Division Two offers, went and played at Minnesota State. But then, like, as I've gone through my whole journey of these these type of things that you're talking about and searching within, like, now I'm I'm obsessed with fitness and nutrition. And, and like, then I sit here and I'm like, am I like this because of my childhood and the way that people made me feel that I'm always scared of going back to that? Or am I somebody that like, I just really care about my health and the way that I look makes me feel better, which helps me exude confidence, which helps me be better for my clients. Like, how do you even distinguish between those two? Okay. We're going to go down a little rabbit hole here if you're ready. <laughs> so yeah. you have two parts of your mind. You have the, you have your conscious mind, which is the reasoning thinking part. This is what you're aware of. Then you have the subconscious, which is um, basically your emotional base, your feelings and your subconscious is responsible for 95% of your behavior and the conscious is responsible for 5% 5, 5 of your behavior. You're not aware of the subconscious usually. So like I may think consciously, oh man, I'm confident. I know I can do this. But when I walk in a room of peers, I feel insecure. So all feelings are governed by a thought. So I have a feeling of insecurity, even though I'm thinking consciously that, no, I'm confident. You got to look at the feeling. The feeling is what's telling you what you're actually thinking. It's just on a subconscious level. You're not aware of it. So when you understand that as a fundamental, as a fundamental principle, now there's, an, there's something called the ego. And the ego is what you developed around the age of one or two. And it's a worldly identification for you to be able to identify in this world. So here's what happens is the ego, it lives in the past and it lives in the future. It does not live in the present. So you're either looking back or you're looking forward. Well, if I'm looking forward, now I'm creating stress, anxiety, 
worry. If I'm looking in the back, I'm creating regret, shame, guilt. But when I'm fully present, I'm just love, peace, joy, happiness. I'm, I'm fully present. What happens is with people is we don't realize that our ego is looking to make it make you feel as though you're above somebody or below somebody. Hmm. Even your even yourself. So here's what I used to do. And it, it will rationalize why you're doing something. So I used to like, you know what? I want to get I want to go buy a Rolls Royce. I want to get a Rolls Royce. This was like three, four years ago. Well, why do you want a Rolls Royce? Because because I like the car. My wife would be like, well, why? Why? I don't I don't understand it. She was. And then I got to the root of it. I only wanted a Rolls Royce because then, then people would approve of me. Yeah. That was the root of, why do I care about their approval? I don't even know them. Because when I was eight years old and I told my father, I had three games in a soccer game, three goals in a soccer game. And I'm at the end of the driveway. And my neighbor's outside. He sees me. He goes, hey, how'd your game go? I said, it was great. I had three goals. And I'm the best player on the team. Well, when we went inside, my dad was like, you never tell anybody you're the best. At seven years old, eight years old, I couldn't process that health in a healthy way. So like I viewed my dad, whatever he said, that's what it, so now it's like, oh, well, I'm not the best. Cause if I was the best, he would have said I was. So for the rest of my life, I'm looking for approval to make up for the approval that I felt, felt as though I didn't get when I was a child. So this was, this is the ego. So now when I say I want to buy a Rolls Royce, because I have addressed it and I'm aware of the original intent now. The reason why I want to buy a Rolls Royce isn't the car. It's because the car is signifying that I have fully realized the potential inside of me to be able to get that. Even if I never buy a Rolls Royce, I'm cool with it if I could afford it, because that means I have tapped into this inner me that knew it could always do that. So then, sorry, go ahead. And then what happens is you get the Rolls Royce and I'm just, for example, and your dad's like, Oh, cool. But that doesn't like mean or prove anything. And you're like, wow, I just did all of this because I thought my dad was going to give me the reaction where I feel like now he is proud of me and thinks that I can do anything. But in reality, your your dad maybe even has thought that the whole time, never needed that proof. And you were looking from it because of something you've been holding on to for so long. Exactly. And, and this is where I try to tell young people, it's nothing will ever be outside of you. Nothing. Everything is inside. Everything starts within. The only reason why you want a Rolls Royce, the only reason why we want to eat food we shouldn't eat, the only reason why we want to work out truly is to create a feeling. Your life is just one big experience that's measured by feelings. So what happens is, well, I want to go on vacation. Well, why do you want to go on vacation? Why do you want to go to Aruba? Why don't you just go to like, <laughs> I don't know, Gary, Indiana? Why Aruba? Because of the feeling that it will invoke in you, the feeling. So when you understand this, feelings like of peace, love, joy, happiness, you are inherently already that. You are already that. This is why we love babies, because babies have not developed egos yet. They are purely love, peace, joy, right? This is naturally what you are. As adults well, and as p- kids, as people, when we develop our ego, now the ego is constantly searching for things outside of you to replicate the feeling that you already are. This is why billionaires go to Buddhist monks and Buddhist monks don't go to billionaires for advice because they have found inwardly, I have everything that I already need and everything external is just to replicate the feelings that I already am. Hmm. That's deep. So how (laughs) do I like, so 
so for me, like, Hey, I'm, you know, my goal is eventually I'm going to, you know, own a pre- a business or, you know, be a co-founder of a business, you know, run it. Like I have this whole goal of helping all these millennials with finances, live the life that they want. How do I distinguish like whether that's truly what I want to do and that's what I think is going to be great or that's an ego thing. I want to be a founder. I want to prove to myself that I can build something really great. You know, like how, like it's hard to, I feel like it's hard to go into your mind, distinguish, like, are you doing that for the right reasons? Cause we all still have basic needs. Like I still am going to want to have a family. I'm going to have kids. I'm going to want to be able to, you know, give them experiences and things. So like, you do need to, you know, have enough for that. But then there's the, like, I always hear, and there's the wrestle of like, where is enough? Like, you know, you sure. can make 500,000, a million dollars a year, but to some people that'll never be enough. They got to make, sure. you know, they got to have the private jet and they got to have, you know, the, the yacht, even though it's something they never use, but they can take pictures of it. And so other people can make them feel good. But I think it's just really hard to figure out, like, there is something like, you still have to work towards something in life. Like sure. you still want to work towards being a better man, being a better husband, being a better, you know, business owner, whatever it is. Sure. So this is, this is where meditation comes in, right? This conversation, I had this conversation a year ago. I'd be like, what is this guy talking about, Derek? Like, what is this? Like, but here's what happens when you meditate, you don't realize what you actually are, right? So in, in the Western world, we refer to it as you're a spirit, right? Or a soul. Really all this is, is consciousness, your awareness, that's what you are. That's actually what you are. You are the awareness that knows you have a body. You're not your body. You're not your mind. You're not your thoughts. You are the awareness that observes it. But what happens is we identify with things because we're perceiving animals. We identify with things that we can pick up with our five senses. Well, that what you actually are is not perceivable with the five senses. Through meditation, it quiets the mind, it quiets the thoughts, and then you create separation. The consciousness of what you actually are begins to separate from the ego. And you and now you become the observer of your thoughts. You become the observer of your body. So I tell people, like, I get up at 4.45 every morning, and I tell, like, I don't get tired. I never get tired. I have never been tired a day in my life, never. My body gets tired but I don't get tired. So just now a year ago, I'd be like, man, I'm exhausted. Oh my gosh. But through meditation, I've been able to create this separation to realize I'm the observer. I'm the awareness. I'm the consciousness that knows this body is tired right now. So I make sure I watch what I say. I watch what I say and how I say it to keep that separation. So this is why I tell like, I, I, I teach people now, it's kind of transformed it of teaching people like, okay, I'm going to show you how to meditate. I'm going to show you how. And I, I feel as though my gift is to break it down in a way that like anybody can understand. Because once you start to create this separation, this is when you start to tap into the infinite you. Hmm. So like you talk about this, like a year ago, you wouldn't know these things. Like what was this revelation for you? Like where, where did you figure all this out? I, dude, I don't know, man. I have no idea. Like I can probably trace it. So going back to 2019, 2018, I got involved with a business partner. Things went downhill quickly, moved down to Naples, Florida. We were supposed to do it be down there forever. Moved back a year later. This guy stole everything from us, literally everything. I went from 
you know, making great money, having, you know, savings, everything to now I'm using my last $200 to put gas in a U-Haul to make it back. Like everything. FBI comes knocking on my door. Now, before you know it, they're interviewing me in my living room to know more about this guy I was involved with. And my life got flipped upside down. And this is what happens sometimes in life when you lose everything or you hit rock bottom. Now you have to build a new foundation. Mm-hmm. And one day I woke up, I'd always blame this situation. You know, life sucks. This is what happened. I was blaming this guy. And one morning I woke up and I'm like, this guy didn't do anything. He didn't do one thing. It's how I'm perceiving the situation. I'm looking at it as being half empty. I have a choice. I can look at it as being half full. So I consciously made a decision to do this. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start reading more. And I just started, I started reading like, psychology books and I went into philosophy and then I went into metaphysics before you know it I'm reading like I'm reading stuff that I never would have thought and then I just I never chose to do this and then before you know it I'm doing meditation and that I started that back in August of 2020 and that was really when things changed when I realized oh my gosh I'm not what I thought I was I thought I was this body I thought I was my religion. I thought I was of my race. I thought, no, I'm the awareness that knows and is observing all of this. If I can live life as the oh, consciousness, as the awareness, and use the mind as a tool and use the body as a tool, there's nothing I can't do. Did you have people telling you for a while to start trying to learn about this? And then it was kind of like your own self-revelation of like, let me start learning or no, nobody told me. It's crazy. Nobody told me. And really, when Kobe Bryant died, the day he died, I just, and I always kind of, uh, you know, I admired Kobe. I didn't realize how much I patterned life after him. But yeah, I, I, I saw on some website his top 15 books. So I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna read all of them as like a tribute to Kobe. Well, I started with one of them. And it was a psychology book. I think it was um, The Tipping Point by uh, Malcolm Gladwell. And, and that book led to another, and that book led to another, and that book, before you know it, I've gone down, I went down a rabbit hole. I'm like, I'm over here reading about stoicism, and then, you know, psychology, and I'm like, where, I never would have, but it, like, tickled my fancy, and I loved it, and now, I mean, I read about stuff now that, like, some of my friends are like, dude, you're too deep, I can't even have a conversation with you, <laughs> but I never set out to do this, and now yeah. I'm seeing, like, this was actually... We call it whatever you want. The universe, God, it was divinely orchestrated for me to get to this point to implement it and help and help human beings get to where they need to be. Yeah. I think this is a really interesting point. Honestly, something I haven't talked about on here, but like the learning rabbit hole is like a thing. Like I, the way that I grew up, like school was always like, you know, get good grades, but that's like kind of the necessity of school. So you can play college basketball, do all of that. And then through college, like I didn't really, I still had the mindset of like, you know, do well in school, get the internships, but I was never a learner. Like it was never really about learning. It was about doing well. And then luckily I ended into a profession where there's no path. Like there's no, here's exactly how you do it. This is exactly how you work with clients. This is exactly how you market. This is exactly, you know, what they need help on. Like you got to figure it out yourself. And I started going down this rabbit hole of like, just learning about how do I become better at that? But because then I got the itch of, learning and becoming better. I applied that to every area of my life. Then I started going like self, you know, self-help, like how to become happier, how to become a better friend, how to become a better family member, how to become a better, you know, boyfriend. Like, and now like 
you know, you always hear people talk about how important learning is, but like, I, I think sometimes the hard part for people is that like, you can tell them all that they need to go do, but until sometimes people hit that rock bottom of like, I've messed up, something bad has happened. Like I've lost friends or whatever, like they can't really get themselves and you can't really motivate anybody to do that until there's almost like a slap in the face that they have to. Yeah. Where you're, you're just like you're, running. You're so right, man. It, it's, you have nowhere to go, but up, right? So once you hit the bottom and you're flat on your back, it's like, okay, now you have no choice. You got to figure something out. And I, I, what I found in my life, and this is something with millennials, you live in a simulation. Your life is one big simulation. It was, think about it almost like this. Your life is, it's a computer. And just like when you go to the Apple store, and you buy a MacBook, that MacBook comes with software already on it. Your life has software already loaded in by your parents, your society, your culture, your religion. Everything's already loaded and you didn't choose any of it. And at some point when you hit your rock bottom, this is when the software crashes or it needs to be updated. And it's your responsibility to unlearn what you have learned and now write your software for what is conducive to your own individual life. This is what happened to me now that I look back on it. Your soul almost is conflicted with the ego. And it's like, you know what? This isn't working. What mom and dad taught me and what I always believed and subscribed to, it's not working. I need to put that over there and now learn and reprogram my life for what works for me. And now I can start moving forward. It's funny. I just wrote a post I haven't posted yet exactly about these beliefs that are ingrained in us and like how we need to learn how to distinguish what's good and what's bad. Like in, in applying this to finance, like we all, everybody has this mindset, like our parents always told us like, okay, hey, you need to save, you need to like, you know, be, be generous, you need to, you know, if your parents taught you those things, like those are good scripts that they put in your mind. But then there's other ones that's like things that we were told, like starting a business is risky, like you have to own a house. Um, and there's just all these other things that you can go down that like have been ingrained in us since we were little that we all believe, but we don't even know if they're true but we just believe them. And you can apply those to so many areas of life, but it's like, it's also really hard to be like, well, what are my beliefs? Do I question? What do I not? And I think that's also why so many people in their twenties and thirties are like, they struggle with religion because their whole childhood, like religion with your family was never an option. It was, you go, you believe you would ever, if you question you're wrong. And then you go through like, now I have to redefine who I am, figure things out. And now I actually start to like, find, you know, holes in things that are hard to understand. But then a lot of times the teachers or the influences that we have in our life don't allow that. Like they don't really let you question things like you're wrong. You have to, you have to blindly believe things, but that is like, that's such a dangerous territory to put people in. Yeah, for sure. This is, this is the programming. This is, I mean, Justin talk about this all the time. This is, this is the matrix. The matrix is just a, a, a set of programs to keep you in your lane, in your box. And the reason why is because now those who have established can keep everything orderly so that it benefits them. Your responsibility as a human being here on this earth is to find your path. Your path will always be different from anyone else's. There are no two paths that are the same. In order to find your own path, you must write your own rules. But we get rules put on us. Oh, you're supposed to go to college and you're supposed to make, I asked somebody the other day, they said, I said, what's a good living? They said, $100,000. I said, where'd you get that from? Who told you that? 
Well, that not that it? Yeah, this is my point. Somebody said, hey, if you make six figures, this is great. Go pay LeBron James six figures and see what he, see what he says. Yeah. <laughs> He'll throw a basketball at you. We don't realize that everything is subjective, but we take on what we've been taught and we make it our subjectivity. No, no, no. You must think for yourself, create your subjectivity and stop worrying about what is right and what is wrong. I tell people all the time, this is, this is duality. This is what we're seeing in our life now. This is why our world is so crazy. There is no right and there is no wrong. There is no good and there is no bad. There is only is. It just is. Because if a dog were to look at it, they'd say, the dog wouldn't be like, oh, no, that's terrible. I can't believe he spent his life savings. He wouldn't think anything of it. But we'll say, oh, that's bad. The only reason why it's bad is because you've been taught that it was bad. Instead, look at it and say it just is, and it won't be quote unquote good or bad until I perceive it however I want to. Yeah. And there's a great example of everybody who's like, oh, that guy left the corporate job and he went and started his own business. Like, oh my gosh, why would he do that? He had all this money. And then you realize like, oh, this guy has been doing that for 15 years. He's extremely unhappy. He never gets to be at home. And now he gets to go do exactly what he wants. And he could make half the money and be happier and his family could be happier. Like, I mean, you just, you just don't really know, but going back to like that hundred thousand example, I, I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast, but I have a friend and you know, when I, when I talk to people about money, like all my clients, my goal is to help get rid of the shame, help pull back everything and figure out like, what do you value? What is enough for you? What are you looking for? And we got really deep down and his story was that he grew up and his parents were like kind of always pretty unhappy. And every time they would go anywhere, they would like go to a friend's lake house and their parents would be like, those people have to make, you know, six figures. Like, how could they afford that if they don't? And he would always, his parents would always make these comments in his head. And so his whole life, his vision is going to be, I got to go work somewhere. I got to make six figures. If I make six figures, I'll have a good marriage. I'll have a good family. We'll be happy. Mm. We can do the things we want. And now he's at this point where, you know, he's making 150 plus thousand dollars a year and completely unhappy with it. Like hates the job, hates the setup. You know, the money doesn't really change anything. And he had, he had to learn on his own because he had this whole script that his family put in him about how much money you need to have to be happy. And then he achieved it and realized it has nothing to do with the money. It has all to do with, he wants to just work with something he's passionate about that allows him to live the life that he wants. And as long as he can have that, but make, you know, less money, he will be happier every single day of the week. And I think that like, that was kind of a wake up call to me in something that I'm trying to preach to other people is just that like, you know, we can't be driven based on those type of things, whether it's money, whether it's success, whether it's how other people view us, the Rolls Royce that we could get. Like, you know, if, if you have to be really unhappy to achieve those things, you're not going to be happy once you achieve just that, you know, material thing. Right. I, I was just work, I was working with a player yesterday. And I was, he's struggling with confidence. And I told him, so here's what happens is we don't realize that this is what, this is why life is difficult for human beings. You operate on three different planes of existence simultaneously. And he just kind of looked at me. He was like, wait, what? I said, number one, if you want to use it in words so you can understand your spirit, consciousness, awareness, that's the spiritual plane, mental plane, which is the mind, and then the physical plane, which is your physical existence, things you can use, with your, you can perceive your five senses. It must go in this order, spiritual plane, mental plane, physical plane. Consciousness uses the mind as a tool. The mind uses the body as a tool. Where we get messed up is when we go from the bottom up. We go by physical to dictate our mindset, which then has complete control over your awareness. You have no awareness. So instead, 
It's being aware of the only reason why I want this, the only reason why I want the $150,000 paying job is because of what it will make me feel. Well, all feelings are governed by a thought. I will think this, that is the mental plane. Instead, realize that your money or your house or whatever you obtain is a physical thing. That's plane number three. It is determined by your mindset. Your mindset is determined by, your, by what you actually are. So when you understand the order, this makes it a little more simple because now I realize I actually don't need anything. I don't need anything. I don't need like the 7,000 square foot house. I don't need four cars. I don't need any of that. I actually don't even need this $100,000 job. I don't because I used to think I needed it until I didn't have it and I lost everything and I'm still here and I'm still the same person. Yeah. This is, this is it. And then once you realize that, I just read something the other day. It said, where they use money as an example, it was like, however rich you want to be, you must be willing to be that broke on the other end of the spectrum, right? So it took me losing everything. And that was my biggest fear I had. That was what my parents beat into me. You get a good job. You provide for your family. Don't you? And then I hit rock bottom. and I was like, oh, this is it. This is what I was afraid of. I'm good. I can. Okay, let's go. Let's climb back up now. So I say that because once you understand that, like the fear that you have, or what's causing you to chase after something, you're chasing after something that you already have. You just don't realize that you have it. You're chasing after the feeling of what you actually are. Yeah. I think for me, this was something that I always struggled with is like how other people view me. And I think this for me, like this last year and a half, when I've launched in, you know, fully growing my own clients, my own side of the business, all that stuff. Like I was so scared of, you know, write and put it out in front of people or do a podcast or do video. Like, how are these people going to view me? And, and for me, my, my best way of getting through fear is taking myself down the tunnel of what if over and over, like, what if this, what if this, what if this, till I get to the worst case scenario. And for me, it was like, okay, well, what if people don't read it? Well, then what if people don't read it? Nobody's gonna make fun of you. Okay. Well then what if people make fun of you? Well, do you think your friends are going to make fun of you? No. Well then who do you think is to make fun of you? People you don't care about? Yeah. So why am I caring about if somebody's going to make fun of what I'm doing when I don't even care about them and what they're doing? And so sometimes it's really helpful to just be like, what's the worry you have? And then get yourself to like, what is the worst case scenario that could happen? And if it's really not that bad, I mean, for me, that's what helps me overcome and be like, well, shoot, then I might as well go do it because the worst case yeah. isn't even bad. Like if failure in that moment or like, hey, like well, the worst thing that happens with this podcast is nobody listens and I stop it. Well, then I tried and I learned something from it. Like, why exactly. is that so bad? Exactly. That's, dude, that's what you call, that's, that's shadow work right there. That's you diving deeper. In. So this is what I, I did when I'm going to go out in the woods. But now, I mean, you know, thankfully now I have enough awareness where I can, I can see it as it's happening. But now I go to, instead of what's worst case, I now I say, okay, what if this thing takes off and it does? How big can this get? Yeah. How, how good can it be? Because now... I tell people all the time, the only reason why you don't do anything isn't because you can't. It's not because you, we put people on the moon and put airplanes in the sky for 21 hours. It isn't because a human being can't do it. It's because that individual human being doesn't think that he or she can do it. Once you believe you can do something and you're willing to work, it's done. It's finished. There's nothing you can't do. You can literally do anything.
And yeah. really, once you once you realize that in yourself, man, sky's the limit. Actually, there's sky isn't the limit. There is no limit. Yeah, <laughs> I think I, I have a good question on this of like, you know, what are things actionable things people can do to build that self confidence? Because like, I, I mean, to be open, like I self confidence isn't something like I struggle with. I've always had this mindset, at least I think since basketball of like. Hey, if I just put in the work, I can do whatever. I can get the scholarship. I can, you know, win a lot of games. I can be all state. I could be whatever, which is now built into everything else that I do. Like now in my job, I'm like, I know I could go start a business. I know I can grow a client base. Like I know I can build something to be really big, but like, I think I got that through repetition of like, here's what I think I can do. And then proving myself right. But I like, and I, and I try to help other people with this too, but it's like, you know, is it just living up to what you say? Is that a great way to start of like everything you say you're going to do, you get done. Like, Hey, you know, you can even start with, you know, I'm going to work out four days a week and you always do that. And you prove yourself, you can do that. And then like, Hey, I can accomplish this at my job and you, and you work hard and do it. Or like, where do you really, like, how do you get that self-confidence built? So, you know, confidence, all confidence is, is when you know, you know what you are. That's what it means to be confident. That's it. So, when people aren't confident, it's because there's an energetic blockage. There's an emotional blockage that's keeping them from seeing their full potential. So usually that blockage stems back to their inner child. It goes back to their childhood. So I told you the story about me being a soccer player and my dad saying that. That was a blockage that I had. And then the blockage then creates a program. So I had a worthiness program. I needed X to be viewed as Y. I needed, I needed approval from X, Y, and Z in order to be deemed worthy in my mind. Yeah. So once you can identify the blockage, then go back to the, through shadow work of, of dealing with the inner child. Now that, cause the inner child lives in darkness. Once you bring awareness to it, it's like shining a flashlight on it. It can no longer exist. Now here's what I can, I'm fully like, with everything I do now. I was always that with basketball, but with business and some stuff, I'd be like, uh, I needed the approval of certain people to give me confidence instead of it being intrinsic. Now, because I've gone through this and identified what the blockage was, I don't need anybody's approval. I'm fully aware of what I'm capable of and I know that I can do something. Hmm. That makes sense. Um, okay, perfect. I'm going to ask a couple more questions that are a little different. So. Sure. Um, as an entrepreneur, like what advice would you give to somebody that's either thinking about starting a business started and, you know, it's not, not quite to where they wanted to go. Like, you know, what are a few, you know, pieces of advice you would give to those type of people? Um, I would sit down. If, if I was working with them, I would ask them, how much do you believe you really can do this? Truthfully, like, do you really believe or do you want to do this? There's a difference between wanting and believing, right? I would ask that and see their reaction and see like, because the reality of it is you can only be whatever you believe you are, right? So I was able to play professional basketball because I just knew, I believed I could. I didn't have people telling me I could. So with entrepreneurship, like ask yourself, like, do I really think I can do this? If you don't really truly believe that you can get it to the level that you, you talk about, you're not going to get there. So that's number one. Number two, ask yourself, why? Why do I want to do this? Am I doing this because it's ego driven? Because I'm looking to 
get the approval of somebody or or feel like I'm better than everybody. Hey, look at, or am I doing this because it's it's intrinsic of I know I have a seed of greatness inside of me, and this is just the byproduct of it. I'm just I'm just showing it outwardly. So your why is what's going. And people always say, oh, you got to know your why. All your why does. This is your fuel. This is your fuel. You're going to put cheap fuel in it and have it be ego driven. You'll run out of fuel. Or is this going to be intrinsic of, no, no, no. I'm not doing this for anyone outside of me. I'm doing this because this is like a desire that has come from the divine that I know I can do this because this is what I was put here to do. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So like is with your journey, you know, you've learned all these things. Like what, what would you say was like kind of the hardest part? And what did you learn from it that you could, you know, pass on to millennials that like, you know, I learned this from it and I wish I would have known this earlier. I wish I would have known that your thoughts are what determine where you are in life, how you talk to yourself. It was never anything outside of you. It never was. Your thoughts are what determine how you feel. What you feel is determined, what determines how you behave, how you behave will determine the actions that you take. And then the actions that you take will determine your life. So you can do anything if you think it, and then you believe that you can actually do it. You take action. I wish I had known this earlier, but then more importantly, like I wish I understood the concept of patience. We're always told, be patient, be patient, be patient. Patience is kind of, we have this misconstrued idea of it by like, we just sit and wait. No, patience is you continuing to work but not always looking at your clock to see what time you have to get off. Time is going to do what time does. Time just keeps moving forward like this. So whether you're sitting in a chair or you're actively working, time just keeps moving. So when I, so now knowing what I know now, I come up with a thought, I believe I can do it. I remove all blockages that keep me from believing I can do it. And then I trust, I have patience of knowing that if I keep doing this, it may take a year, it may take five years, it may take 30 days. I will accomplish what I was thinking and what I knew I could do. But we get, especially as millennials, sometimes we get impatient because yeah. we look at, you know, Tom and, and, and Sally, they're doing, man, they started the same time I did. And they're do yeah, but you don't know what they were thinking though. They maybe knew they could do this 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That makes sense. I Honestly, I think that's a really great lesson and something that like, I just feel like you, you grow up, maybe not everybody has this, but you go to school or you have your parents and they're like, Hey, you can do anything that you want. And you're like, yeah, I totally believe that. And then you get to like the real world and you're like, not true. I can't like, I don't think I can do this. Like I've been at my same job. I haven't got the promotion. I thought blah, blah, blah. But I mean, it really is true. Like if you believe in yourself and you're, but it's not, it's not always, as just, I got to believe in myself. Like you have to do the work. It's not just sure. believe myself. I'm patient. It happens. It's like, you got to actually put yourself in the position to accomplish or, or get to where you want. It's a four-step process. You know, cause you, you always kind of hear people like, Oh, I manifested this. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's four steps. I have to have an intention. I have to remove all energetic blockages, meaning basically anything that makes me think I can't do it. Those things that make me feel insecure that like, man, I don't know if I can, your deepest, darkest shadows. So you have to be basically, your feelings must be in line with what your, your intention is, what you think. Three, you have to be willing to work your tail off, take action, take action. And then four, 
trust that it will happen if you can do all of these three things. I will say this. Number one is the easiest. And depending how you are, number three is pretty easy. For me, number two is the toughest. Number two was the toughest. But number two, once you remove these blockages, it's like it'll take off. It will take off. That's the one that's going to take the most work. That's the one that's going to be most uncomfortable. And while you do this, you can still be doing stage three. And then stage yeah. four is just, yeah. And you'll see, you'll, you'll be able to do anything. You are where you are today, Thomas, because you believe that you could, period. Like, this is why you're here. This is why you have a podcast, because you believe, like, you know what? I think I could start a podcast. This is why you did it. If you didn't think you could start a podcast, you wouldn't have a podcast. Yeah. No, I, I mean. Sound, it sounds it, so simple and trivial, but it's yeah. Like, yeah. And there's certain things, too, like, for me that, like, I thought I could do. And it took me a little bit of work to prove to myself I could do it. Like, when I first started, I was like, you know what? Writing in a website is going to be tough. So I was like, but I know I need to do it. I believe I can do it with hard work. So I started there and I focused on that thing. I got good at it, got started to get a lot of readers. And then I'm like, what is next? Okay, the podcast. I, I want to do a podcast. I believe I can do it. But I got to be able to like go head down and focus in on that because writing became easy and it required less time. So then my time went here. Then I did that and I was like, you know what? I'm going to start a newsletter. I think a newsletter is a great thing to do. You know, maybe I won't get that many people. You know, my newsletter is six months old and has 300 subscribers. Like, now I'm building that. And it's just like, you know, I'm getting good at one thing, you know, showing myself I can do that. I believe in myself. And now because I'm doing these things, I'm accomplishing and achieving what I told myself I could do. Now I feel better about the next step of the, of the phase of like, wow, look, I continually prove myself that I can do the things that maybe others thought I couldn't, but I knew I could. And then just keep running with that and then keep growing. And then over time, you know, I think that those repetitions and that work is going to get me to what my desired end goal is, is going to be. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, I always tell people, if you can, if you, your, your mind has to go there first, Yeah, your mind goes there first, because remember mental comes before physical plane. And then once my mind is there, the physical will follow behind that. But we're taught and we're programmed, the physical happens. And then our mind set reacts to that. When you do that, you're screwed. So I've had to rewire and unprogram myself and reprogram myself to like, you know what? I know it looks crazy on the outside and people are like, what are you thinking? But like God has given me this thing called an imagination. Mm -hmm. And this is why I have it because your imagination allows you to, even though you may be living in the slums, to every day you walk home, you pretend you're walking home to a mansion. You can use your imagination to pretend that is step one of the four-step process. Mm -hmm. So if you can do this constantly and you're willing to work, this is why you hear stories of guys who like, like people who achieve things and wow, he started with nothing and now he built it to a billion dollars. He knew that he could do that back when he was, you know, valeting cars at the local nightclub. He knew that back then. It just didn't show because you can't see somebody's thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, this, this has been really good. You've answered a lot of the questions that I have, a lot of the end questions, but I have one question that I like to end with, with everybody. And sure. um, basically, so the last question is what is one question you wish more people asked you? 
And the re- like, as I let you think about that, I, I always explain the reason why I asked this question is I feel like we would all be better if we got to understand other people and we could pull the best things out of the other person. Like, you know, if somebody sits down and like, if there's only one thing you wish somebody asked you, so you could share this about yourself, what you do, whatever, you know, what would that be? Because we live in a society where it's kind of surface level. Like, I go, I go talk to you. How's your job? How's this? How's that? But I don't really get to know you and what matters to you. And I think this question does a really good job of pulling that out. I think probably people always, especially being in the field of like mindset and public speaking and everything, people always talk about mindset, mindset. You gotta have the right mindset. I've never had anyone who says this, tell me what the mind is. So how can I set something that I don't even know what it is? So I wish people would ask me like, hey, what is the mind? Will you tell me like, what is, and if you knew what it was, it's almost like a hammer. If I gave you a hammer, but you didn't know what it was, you may use a hammer as something to eat with. But once you realize like, oh, this is what it is, I can go ahead and start nailing things down. This is what we do with the mind. We think our minds are our brain. Your mind is not your brain. And if we, if people would ask me this, like I actually had a, a podcast interview and lady was a doctor. She asked, she was like, okay, what is the mind? And I'm like, oh, somebody asked. So that, that, that'd probably be the one question. You want to go into it real quick? Yeah, well, sure. <laughs> so you think of it like this. I asked this question, does a fish know that it's in water? Probably not. Just life. You don't know that a fish doesn't know that it's in water until it comes out of water. Mm-hmm. So when you understand that, so so think of the the lake that it lives in as a field. It's a field. It's just a field of water. You live in a field of energy. You live in a field. I don't know if you're like me, where I can like stare at the sky and see these little squigglies that are always moving around everywhere. I'm like, what is that? My son, eight year old son, said he saw it too. And I started to realize. I started reading books and, and researching. You're looking at energy. You're watching little energy, also known as quantum go everywhere, right? Everything consists of energy. This is what Albert Einstein, E equals MC squared. Energy equals matter times the speed of light. So when you understand that you live in a field of energy, just as that fish lives in a field of water, but you don't know it because you're never out of it. That field that you live in is the mind. So thoughts are a form of energy. Your emotions are a form of energy, emotion, energy, and motion. When you understand that your thoughts and all of your reality around you is constructed through energy, basically being manipulated and steered through thought, through consciousness. This is why when you, when you understand this and you read like an ancient text or a, a, a spiritual text like the Bible, and it says, let us make man in our likeness, in our image. You have the ability to create through this thing called the mind because it is energetically steered through thought. So I try to tell people, meditation, prayer, visualization, they're all the same thing. They are all intention-based practices that steer this field called the mind, which basically conforms to however your thoughts. This is how we create our reality. Wow. I feel like this has been like a mix of like a therapy session to like something where I've learned like the most that I've ever learned in an hour and like can go back and 
you know, feel really empowered and just have things to, you know, work on and focus on. So I really appreciate you, you coming on and, and sharing all of this wisdom with us. Um, I feel like I should have had to pay you for this. It's, it was so great. But before uh, I let you go, where are the best places for people to follow you and your content? So you can find me um, on Instagram, on Twitter. My Twitter is DG Results. Um, and my handle on Instagram is Derek Grant Results. Derek, D-E-R-I-C-K. Uh, but then you go to my website. It's DerekGrantResults.me. Um, you can go on there. I always encourage people to like reach out to me. I'm here. This is why I'm here. I came, I came here to earth to help people figure out their problems. There's a reason why a year ago, I didn't know any of this stuff. And now why I have gone through all this journey to gather all this information so I can help any and everyone. So I tell people like, reach out to me. It's seriously my honor to help somebody find their path, find their purpose, find what's really hidden inside of them so they can blossom and go off and do whatever they, they choose to do. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, um, I'll continue to share your content. I, I love everything that you put out and I, I would recommend everybody to follow you as, you know, it's kind of just, you know, push in the right direction every day. So thank you for what you do. Thank you for coming on here. And, uh, I really appreciate you doing this. Thomas, truly my pleasure. And thank you for what you're doing because you are, I for lack of better words, you're the new wave that's going to lead financial financial advisors and show, Hey, we don't have to do it like we used to, like we were taught. So you're the free thinking uh, generation coming up, man. So thank you for what you're doing. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for saying that. I appreciate that. Have a good day, man. Thanks, you too.